0: Our scripture this morning is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 6. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. This is the word of the Lord. God. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and uh, welcome. My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be together. It's good to celebrate on Easter. This is, this is our day. Uh, the day which uh, we believe makes sense of every other day that gives us hope and and life and meaning thanks thanks for being here uh, thanks as well just we know it's it 's crowded i 'm um, guessing the parking lot was kind of a kind of a challenge this morning navigating and all of that. Uh, the good news is with the groundbreaking i mean next year easter um we'll kind of we 'll miss the uh the crowd. We'll miss the, un- the uncomfortness, right? No, we won't. Um, but we'll have a new place, and so we'll have more room, and so thanks for putting up with that this year, and um, for all of that. Uh, come back next year. It'll be easier to find a seat. Um, let, me, let, me, uh, let me pray for us, um, and we'll, we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, um, help us to believe this really unbelievable story, and not just, not just believe it, but to build our, our lives upon it, our hope our joy, our purpose. God, I pray that you would take uh, these words written down so long ago and and my attempts to explain them. God, and would you through your spirit um, reach into our hearts and our lives to once again see that the tomb is empty and that you are alive and with us today. Help us to believe that, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. What's the most beautiful thing you've ever experienced? I think about that for a moment. Like, like the, the moment, like, when you're, you just feel like your, your heart is about to burst, but like, you know, in a good way. What, what was that for you? What, what are those, those things in, in, your, in your life? Uh, for me, I am, uh, I'm a bit of a, a national park nerd. Um, I have this ridiculous desire of, like, this goal of dragging my family uh, to as many of them as, as possible. Um, God help me. That's what I'm going to do. That's my legacy with my family. Because um, I love these places. This summer, for example, we're, we're camping in the Tetons mm. and Yellowstone and, and Glacier. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, I get giddy just thinking about it, truthfully. I mean, I can already smell the wildflowers and feel the fresh air. I can see the mountains. I mean, I'm a new person in the woods. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but for me, that is such a, such a moment where my, my heart just feels, I just feel different, right? And for others of you, and, and I can identify with this as well, maybe it's, maybe it's a song that you can think of. And like Andy Dufresne and Shawshank, you're almost willing to spend a month in solitary confinement just to hear it one more time. Or like Steve Jobs, who once told Yo-Yo, Yo-Yo Ma that your plane is the best argument for the existence of God I've ever heard. Have you ever felt that with a song? And for others, maybe, maybe it was like the birth of, of your child or signing the adoption papers, falling in love or, or, or this, this intimate moment, maybe a, you know, a dinner with friends that goes way late but feels short. I don't know. Others of you, is when you... Found out Golden Girls is now on Hulu. We're all we're all different, right? <laughs> we all have these different experiences. We're not wired the same way. And yet, yet you know that feeling, right? Where it feels so good at all. your heart almost aches. Man, I love those moments. I, I want them to last forever. I want to, I want to be stuck experiencing them, right? Don't you? And how do you how do you explain such beauty? Like, why is beauty beautiful? Why does why does it stir us in the ways that it does? Why why why? I mean, why do we have these experiences? I mean, for for some, the, the explanation is well, you see, we you know our, our ancestors uh, found resources to survive in these these beautiful natural places, and so we're genetically hardwired, predisposed to to find them beautiful, to be drawn to them, and so so what we call beauty is actually just an illusion. It, it's a, a front for our own self protection. I mean, I I understand that theory, I guess, but is that really what's going on inside me? But the same when you, when you see your child born. It's not really love that you feel. It's, it's the primal instinct towards self-preservation, right? And so the, the early humans who, who felt this thing called love, they were more likely to care for their family, and so they were the ones who survived. And so genetically, uh, over time, that's, that's who we are now, right? And we, we feel this fiction called love, get that. Is that really what's going on inside me in those moments? Like, is that the explanation? We still haven't discovered an evolutionary advantage to music, um, which is, there's stuff written on that. Don't know why, uh, but I, I uh, am, am pretty confident that an equally unsatisfying um, attempt will be made, right? Is that really all that it is. Now, I'm, not, I'm not poking fun at those theories, and I, you know, I understand the desire, the scientific urge to figure things out, and, and I understand the theories. It's just that they're so deeply unsatisfying, aren't they? And then, then add to that the, the one thing that every beautiful moment has in common, every rich and meaningful experience, the one thing that they all share is that they all end. None of them last, and we're always left longing for more. And so we try to recreate the moment. We try to find a new song, a new vacation, a new lover. We spend our lives trying to get back to Eden, right? That, that perfect garden, and we'll do anything that we can to get there. And it's, it's sort of like this, this, this itch that you just can't quite reach, and beauty gets so close to scratching it and yet you're still left unsatisfied? How do you explain the insatiable nature of the human heart? Everything ends except our thirst for more. Everything dies. I mean, if if this is all there is, not only is it all just some grand illusion, right? It's just some fiction. It's make-believe that we're living in, right? That we decide for ourselves what's good and right and meaningful and not. Not only is it just some illusion, Like, every love you ever have will be cut short by death. Every one of them, either yours or theirs. Every beautiful moment you experience will end in decay, and nothing will be remembered. Which, of course, is the long, depressing way of saying life is meaningless. It's great, right? Beauty's a joke, love's an illusion, and everything dies. Happy Easter. Um... (laughs) maybe allot yourself an extra handful of jelly beans later this afternoon to help you feel a little bit better, right? Man, seriously though, like what are our options in this? I mean, if you stop and think about it, that's really all that there, there is. What are our options? I mean, we can, like many, choose to say yes. Okay, you know what? Ultimately, I mean, if you get right down to it philosophically, ultimately there is no meaning in life, and so, the best we can do is carve out some livable fiction that satisfies us long enough to, till we die, right? We'll do our best. We'll, we'll try to find happiness. We'll, we'll make our own way, and then, and then it ends, right? We can do that. Or, now hear me out. I know it sounds ridiculous. Or we can continue to wonder if there is more. What if there is some single historical event? That actually makes sense of the whole world what if what if there's one thing that actually begins to to bring it all into focus ambitious claims I know but we're all here longing for more you and me and we're always left longing for more just like these women like like they're at the tomb we think about that like they're they're there they show up you know they're wanting more Imagine everything they'd experienced. They've walked with Jesus for years. They've seen the miracles. They've heard the sermons, all of the beauty, and it's snuffed out before their eyes in the most brutal death ever invented. They watch him crucified. He dies in our place, the death of the Son of God for our sins, instead of me. They had to be thinking, man, that was just, it was too soon. It should have been longer. We needed more time. We didn't get to even really say goodbye. And so so I think part of what they're doing, they show up Sunday morning, they're just looking for a little bit more, right? I mean, they know he's dead, they know he's gone, but they want to at least like have some closure to, to say goodbye. They want to prepare his body for the inevitable decay that's coming. You know, culturally for them, cover him in spices and make him smell a little bit better. Same like we do, right? To sort of hide the fact that death is coming for all of us. And there they are at the tomb. So even, even think, you know, about the story so jesus he dies on a friday right the women show up on on sunday what about what about saturday what happened then right we don't we don't know much but matthew adds a a tiny bit here he tells us that on on saturday the, the religious leaders they're suspicious that some ridiculous hoax is going to happen right they they remember the disciples i mean have been sort of clueless along the way but they remember that didn't jesus say something about coming back to life I mean, we know it's not going to happen, it's ridiculous, it can't happen, it doesn't happen, it won't happen, but, you know, we want to predict, prevent any sort of hoax from, from happening. And so they, they tell Pilate, at the end of verse, or chapter 27, therefore, order the tomb to be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples go and steal him away and tell the people, he has risen from the dead. Basically, if, like, if they do that, the last fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, Go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. That's the the backdrop to this Sunday morning. Dawn of the first day of the week when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary show up at the tomb. And by the way, one of the reasons I do believe this story happened, one of the reasons is, I mean, it's, it's women there. Like, sadly, women in that culture were were nothing. They couldn't even testify in in court. I mean, if you were to invent a story of resurrection, if you were to make up some religion, there's no way in that culture you would put women there first. It wouldn't make any sense. Unless, of course, the women were actually there first, right? And so they, they approach, and the earth shakes. An angel descends, rolls back this massive stone, and like sits on top, I guess, like, kind of perched there. Matthew says he looked like lightning, which is kind of cool, right? And the guards faint dead away. I mean, kind of makes sense, right? Cemeteries are creepy enough. Dawn, it's like the creepy time of day. An earthquake, some supernatural being appears. Like, you know, fainting would probably be the least of your, your worries at that point. You're going to look for a clean pair of pants. Um, <laughs> and and the, angel, the angel rolls the stone away. But it's not to, like, help Jesus get out. Like, sometimes you think that, like, Jesus, he's stuck inside. Like, he's like, help! You know, Err, you know, he's pushing against the stone. He's like, you know, I'm getting better. You know, little, uh little Monty Python. Um, that's not what's happening, okay? The tomb is empty. The angel doesn't roll away the stone to let Jesus out. He rolls it away to let the witnesses in, to let them see it, see that he's gone. He's not there. And the angel says to them, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee and there you will see him. Come, see it for yourself. And then go quickly, go and, go and tell them what's happened. And so they, they do, after seeing, they, they sprint back with fear and great joy to spread this unbelievable news. And while they're running, they run into him. Him. And Jesus basically says, hi, right? And they fall down, grab hold of his feet, and worship him. And it feels like a a small detail, right? But don't, don't miss it. They grab hold of his feet. This isn't a ghost. It's not a hallucination or a metaphor. Resurrection means bodies, and don't, don't just dismiss these women as naive either, right? How oh, I many people back then, they just believed anything. Like you can tell them anything. and They're gullible, right? They're uneducated. I mean, first of all, how arrogant do we think we are that we've got everything figured out more than these other people, right? I mean, talk about cultural arrogance. But also, I mean, just even like, put yourself there. These people were around death all the time. You and I, we hide from death. Like, we, we don't see it. We, we're insulated from it. We protect ourselves. But for them in that culture, they're surrounded by death. They know what a dead body looks like. And they, they know dead people stay dead. They'd experienced it too many times. And they know that there's no going back. Besides, there wasn't even a category in Jewish theology for anything like this happening. Like resurrection of one person, it's not even on their radar screen. I mean, that's why every time Jesus told them throughout, like, I'm going to come back. I'm going I'm to be alive. Uh, they, like, they have no idea what's going on. They're just dumbfounded. They have no category theologically for this to happen. Jesus was gone. Except, of course, that he wasn't. And they worship him. I mean, if there's one thing that a Jewish person understood in the first century, by that point, they, they got it down you do not worship humans. Right? They'd made those mistakes before. They'd, they'd worship all kinds of idols. They'd gotten in trouble over and over in their history. But at this point in the first century, they know you do not worship anything, anyone, but God alone. And they worship him. So do the others. So do we, all Christians for centuries, seeing this previously dead man who's now alive. They believe he is God. And they can't help but worship they even change their day of worship like culturally historically sabbath saturday i mean that was their identity as a people everything was about that day for them and suddenly now it's sunday because they know this changes everything and so jesus says to them go and tell my brothers and they do and they see and another 500 or so, see Jesus alive. And let me even just say, like, I don't believe that this story is true simply because the Bible tells me so. Like, I'm not minimizing that. I believe, I believe these, these words, and yet I believe this story because people saw it, 500 people, and it changed the world. These, these individuals who had been cowards moments ago are now dying for this, this thing. They, they, cut, they die for this story of resurrection. They give their lives for this. You may not believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but you have to explain the empty tomb. You have to. Like, what happened? Like, what's your story for what happened that day, those moments? The women, the worship, the shift to Sundays, the, the instant courage, and in the empty tomb. I mean, really, the empty tomb is the hardest one. No one historically argues that the tomb was empty, Right? Because otherwise, the religious leaders would have dragged out Jesus' cold, lifeless body for everybody to see and squelched the rumors, right? It went over in a heartbeat. But they don't. Why? because they don't have the body. In fact, in, in verse 13, Matthew tells us that they, they invent some conspiracy, right? The religious leaders say to the guards, tell people, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep, right? That they overpowered Roman soldiers to fake this whole thing that they end up dying for. Really? Like, that's the best they can come up with? How do you explain it? Especially since here we are, 2,000 years and 6,000 miles later, still telling this story. I I know that I can't prove it to you. I wish I could. Man, that'd make life a whole lot easier, right? There's some proof, and we could just you know, be done with it and celebrate, right? It'd be, it'd be great. It doesn't exist. I can't prove it to you. But go back to where we started. What else can you think of that could possibly answer those longings like this? The ways in which you're, you're stirred, what else answers it? Because Matthew, he, he tells us that this happened on the first day of the week, right? Sunday, but I think it's more than just Sunday. I think Matthew is, is pointing, like this is, this is the first day of the, of the new reality, like it's, it's, it's humanity's new start. It's our, our fresh beginning, the new world, the first day of everything because only resurrection answers the longings. Only Easter answers the longings that I feel. You might not believe it, but this ridiculous as it sounds is what brings everything else into focus for me. And there are three ways in particular I think resurrection does this. Three ways. First of all, it gives meaning that makes better sense. I mean, not only do I believe that these events actually happen, I, I believe it also gives us a meaning that makes better sense. I mean, can you have meaning in life without being a Christian? Yeah, of course, right? People do it all the time. Absolutely, everybody lives as if something matters, right? Nobody, nobody actually lives as if, as if the universe is meaningless. Of course you can. But if that describes you, how do you explain the meaning that you have? Where does it come from? And if you can't answer that question, is it really meaningful? I mean, the the prevailing sense, right, is that that you create meaning for yourself. You decide what's meaningful and important, what's right and wrong, what's good and bad. You do that, you carve out your own way, and that's that's how you live a satisfying life. Which kind of reminds me that when my kids are playing a game, and they, they do this all the time, they, they throw out the, the normal rules and they just play their own. You know what I'm talking about? You, kids ever do that? Like, and they, and they, like, I love watching it and overhearing it because it's just, just ridiculous. Not only do the rules that come up, but they don't make any sense, right? And they always benefit themselves. Like, hey, dad, you want to play? I'm like, no, right? You get 20 points for being this tall. Like, it doesn't work. I don't, like, there's no way. I'm, and yet, listen, that's what, that's how we try to live, isn't it? We think that life is about creating our own sort of game. You say what's right and wrong. You develop the rules. You're the only one playing on your board. So you know, you know when you win and when you haven't. Then you, you carry your trophy around and feel good about yourself. Like, how satisfying is that? Really? Is that all life is? For me, this, this story, this story, it's like the missing piece of the puzzle. I mean, all of us are putting together the puzzle, Right? We all, have, we all have our pieces out, they're on the table, and it's just kind of a mess, right? And piece after piece, you're putting, there's pieces of, of joy and despair and fear and, and love and heartache and, and pieces of questions, right? The big questions of what's it all for? Why are we here? What's it matter? Where is it going? You know, all, all of those kinds of things are on there. And it's just sometimes, like, if we're honest, this feels like a mess, doesn't it? And we do our best to organize it, but we can't tell what it is. But when this piece goes in, this one, resurrection No, it doesn't answer all your questions it doesn't fix all your doubts or or all your problems but you begin to see it in a way that you'd never before imagined you begin to see your your own story and your own experiences in in ways that you'd never quite seen before For, for in it in this story like we're created to love and for joy and laughter and, and beauty, like those things are made for us and we're made for them. And so of course they stir us deeply. Of course they do. And, and death doesn't belong in God's good world, but we, we rebelled against him. And you don't have to be a Christian to know how broken we are. I mean, right? I you know that you're broken. Look at your selfishness, your greed, your, your anger, the way you hurt the people you love. I do the same. And look, look outside Look at war and violence, abuse, cancer, death. Like something within us, it doesn't matter who you are, something cries out that this, this doesn't seem like it should be this way. We, we know that with, within us. And here in this story, we see that he came to make it right. Burying our shame on the cross, crushing death with his resurrection, beginning the process of actually making us whole might this be the peace you're looking for? Second, resurrection answers the longing that happiness isn't just an illusion. It's not just make-believe. Because otherwise, that's, I mean, essentially, you've got to have a way to, like, what, what is it that we're after, right, that we're chasing? But with this story, it's not just an illusion. You see, um, secularism, that's, you know, the, the worldview essentially of, of really of, of most of us, right? We live in a very secularized world. That's, that says that, that God is, either he doesn't exist or he's, he's over there somewhere keeping to himself we're going to keep to ourselves. And even if you believe in God, like our stories don't intermesh, right? He's like, we just, we're separate, right? I mean, that's, that's essentially the, the secular worldview. And secularism is the only worldview in the history of the world in which individual members have to determine their own meaning, like, think about, think about that, right? Are you following that? This is the first time ever you individually, by yourself, have to go and figure out what's, what's important, what really counts, like what's good, what's bad, what's meaningful, what isn't. Like, you have to do that, which is especially interesting given this recent, this last month uh, in the Wall Street Journal. I don't know if you saw this article. Death rates rise for wide swath of white adults. Um, that's Wall Street Journal speak, for the, the death rate, the mortal, mortality rate is going back up. For, for Western culture, right? Where for decades it's gone down lower and lower and lower and we're living longer and longer and longer. This is the first time in decades that studies show that we're actually dying younger and faster. And the only, only thing they can point to in this article, the only thing the studies point to, uh, it says driving the uptick are increases in deaths of despair. That's what it is. And so, alcohol abuse, drug addiction, suicide, depression, loneliness, all these kinds of things as we're sort of whole beans, right, we're we're not living as long. One one researcher declares it seems to be about accumulating sense of despair. For all of our progress, we're not progressing. We're angrier than we've ever been, more polarized, more, more alone, more depressed, more afraid. And we're left chasing this illusion of happiness without any real substance. And we're going to keep chasing it, right? I am, you are. We'll chase, we'll chase after the next promotion, right? The next raise, the next vacation, the next big family moment, the next sexual conquest, the next success that we can sort of check off our, our list, right? We, we have all these kinds of things and we've tried it, haven't we? Like if, you, if you've lived long enough, you know. It's like, those are great, they're fun, and then you're kind of back to where you started. And disappointment creeps in. And we can detach, we can grow cynical, we can despair and just give up of all of it. But if Jesus rose from the dead, he gives meaning to the universe. And a happiness that cannot be taken away, that guilt can be gone, that hope is real, that life can last, and and he shows us a path of true satisfaction. I mean, it's how in this this story that the women are able to, to run from the tomb with fear and great joy. Did you notice that? those things together. I love that. I mean, it just feels so honest, doesn't it? Because the world is scary. Like, who's not afraid? Right? Of course we are. And yet, if, if resurrection is real, if Easter actually happens, then no matter what the world throws at you, no matter how much pain you experience or heartache, there could still be joy. It's not an illusion. Finally. Finally, only resurrection answers the longing by offering us a life that doesn't end in death. By offering us a life that doesn't end in death. I mean, death, if you think about it. Death is the greatest thief that, that has ever, ever been around, right? It steals everything. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, right, it, it robs every relationship. It ends every hope, every bit of beauty and happiness. It all ends. Unless. If one man died and lived to tell about it, then maybe I can too. Maybe there's hope for us after all. Maybe it doesn't have to end. And the, the women here, like they, they didn't want it to end, and so they, they go to the, the tomb hoping for just a little bit more of Jesus. And the angel, right, he gives them these very clear next steps. And maybe this is ridiculous, but I want those to be our next steps as well. Uh, we can't do what they did, and we can't experience what they saw. And yet, two things in particular, no matter where you're at, if you're, if you're here this morning and you're skeptical, and I don't, I don't blame you a bit, okay? skepticism comes with this story, right? Of course. But if that's where you're, you're at, and yet you're curious, and, and maybe maybe you don't want to believe it, or you just couldn't possibly imagine believing, it, or maybe there's other things that you just don't like Christians, or you don't, whatever whatever your reasons, right? And yet you, you know, right, that if resurrection is real, if this event actually happened, you everything changes, right? Nothing could possibly ever be the same again. If this happened, then Come and see. Like that's what the angel told the women. Come and see. Come look in the tomb with us. That's what we do here every week. Really. And we can't go back. I wish we could, but every week we try to peer in that tomb to see. Nope, he's, he's not there. There's hope. There's life. There's forgiveness. There's meaning. No matter where you're at, hang out with us for a while. This is a safe place. Ask your questions. Push us. It's, it's okay. Come and see with us for a while. And for those, for those of you who, who do believe, go and tell. Like, live as if there's actually meaning outside yourself. As if it's more than just this, this finite time and these, these little things that we grab onto. Like, and go and tell others that this meaning can be theirs. Who, who will you tell? Hmm. Eight days ago, I did the, the funeral of a friend a friend of ours here, part of our church, 47 years old, cancer, dear, dear, dear woman. And a few days before that, I I sat um, by her bedside, um, and we cried together, prayed together, and I told her over and over again, Easter is coming. Easter, and I didn't mean Cadbury eggs and spring dresses, right? Resurrection is coming! It doesn't doesn't have to end this way. And friends, I say the same to you. This this is our answer. This is our hope. Easter is coming. And this story can be your story. This is why Jesus came. He died for you. He crushed death for you. He longs to take shame away from you and give you hope and purpose in all things. And yes, our hearts ache. Oh, we have so many longings. Beauty, love, happiness. And we're always left wanting more. But a new day is here. Let resurrection be the answer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is the work you're going to have to do in us. God, these things are just so hard to believe. Or, or even maybe, maybe to believe, but for us to even see how they affect us if they're true. God, I pray that you would put us there in this story, that you would somehow, in some way, help us to peer into the empty tomb and know that you, Lord Jesus, are alive with us today. Holy Spirit, would you, would you put these things deep within our heart? And for those, those of us who do believe, Lord, I pray that this would color everything, that there would be a new sense of meaning and purpose outside of such, such short-sightedness of our 70, maybe 80 years. A purpose that comes from you and extends forever. Help us to live that out. And Lord Jesus as well, for those those who don't believe a word of what I've said, um, for whatever reason or even whatever posture that comes from in their hearts, Lord, I, I pray that you would somehow, in some way, just like you did with these women, just like you did somehow in my life at some point, God, would you show them that you are alive and that you're alive for them. Help us to celebrate these things, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.